Welcome to Launch Grow Harvest Podcast, Business Growth Coaching with Connie Buna and Roland Kim. Hello, everyone. This is Roland Kim. and I'm Connie Buna, and this is the Launch, Grow, Harvest podcast. What have you learned in the last two years of COVID? Wow, partner, you're just diving into the deep stuff here. Easy question. Ooh. Well, one of the things I've learned in the last two years is my relationship and my connection to my coach has been a profound impact on my life. At a personal level and at a professional level, it has anchored me and it has allowed me to stay focused in a time that has felt otherwise untethered and chaotic and scary. And so what have I learned? I I have learned that I am somebody that loves coaching and I take such great value from it and it helps me in my life and in my in my work. But let's take that step back. I feel like um, uh, several times over the last two years when we got really busy with work or something, you had to stop yourself from canceling the coaching session because you didn't think you'd get anything that day out of it. So do you still feel that periodically? I do. And one of the things that I find most interesting about that experience is those are often the best calls. Those calls where I'm coming up against the time, my, my coaching call is Tuesdays at 12. And so sometimes at, you know, (laughs) (laughs) 11.45, it's offer day. There's a million things going on. It's chaotic. And I'm thinking to myself, God, I should just cancel. I can't, like, it's a 30-minute call, right? And then I get on the phone and my commitment when I do my coaching calls is I get out of my desk. I stay away from my computer and I am singularly focused on the phone call. And the incredible power and skill that my coach has to respond to, you know, the the experience I might be having in that day and move past it is really, really, really wonderful. As we can, you know, I really feel uh, recognized and acknowledged. And then she allows me space to, you know, feel those feelings and then we can move on. Okay. And that has been a really powerful learning experience. I think um, it'd be appropriate for both of us to, or for me to say that both of us this year have had a lot of um, reflection where we're like, you know, five years into owning a Keller Williams franchise and 15 years into um, our real estate business as well as other ones. And we've had a lot of aha moments where we're finally running a model or running a system or, you know, building a bench, like essentially doing something that we've been told for many, many years. Yes. And we tried to do it a little bit different. We always, that's our leading. If I had to think about, we lead with trying to reinvent the wheel. Yes. I don't think we're like alone (laughs) on that, but it's amazing how much strides forwards we've made simply by not reinventing the wheel. Yeah. And embracing that models and systems Uh, that have a proven track record of success work. And, you know, one of the things I reflect on is like sort of the idea of if you can visualize a triangle and the system is the base of the triangle and your creativity and your ideas are the tip top of that, that triangle. And if you inverted that, you would have a very unstable Mm -hmm. structure. 
Whereas if it's structured that the triangle is sitting in its appropriate way where the longest side is down on the ground and your creativity is built on top of it, it's a magical experience because you're building from a, from a solid foundation. One of the other, you know, big reflections, and I've always been a proponent of it, is the idea, the power of writing down and sharing your goals and your results. And it's funny because I was, I was somebody that didn't really, I didn't really, again, one of those things that I didn't really focus on. And it wasn't until we started working out of the brokerage, actually, that we started, uh, I started following your model of your stages of leads. So, you know, leads at different stages of the, of the cycle and also the results board. I love the results board. <laughs> <laughs> And, and I find it now, it's an opportunity to feel a, an immense sense of fear. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that whiteboard in January? I hate that whiteboard in January. Zero, zero. Hero to zero, baby. Another year. Get back on that horse. Yeah. And I always, and now I'm starting to learn my patterns. I always have the January panics. Mm-hmm. It's totally something that I'm going to have happen. And like, literally, I sold 100 properties last year. And in January, I was panicked that I may never sell another. But you have since. Not 37 year to date. But, you know, that I even know those numbers is a new thing for me. Yes. And what I'm, what I'm learning from that is following those numbers. Those numbers matter. They, they, they help you stay rooted in your, the mundane systems that help you receive consistency, achieve consistency. How are your numbers, partner? Yeah, they're um so I don't have the January uh, skittles, skirtles, whatever. I have like the March where I take a breather. So I uh, started strong in the first quarter and then um by the end of March I want to take my foot off the gas. So that's naturally a place in April where I'm taking a little bit of a pause and then and then reboot for the for the second half and the end of the year. Yeah, I think um you know like I'd say the biggest growth in the real estate business and and our other companies has come from actively spending a little bit of time every single day on on options, mm-hmm. whether that's, you know, in, in if you're running a business with people, that's called a bench where you constantly want to have new talent that um, life happens. People, you know, that you're in business with uh, leave business with you for any number of reasons. And, and often the average, you know, business owner is then only then looking for new talent and is often, you know, interviewing and throw, casting out a net to see what's out there. And then they realistically pick, you know, the best of what's available. And that's not really a proactive way. You're always uh, at the mercy of, of what's available versus you driving the bus. And so that's been a, a real big impact on our brokerage business and, and um, our coaching business, just having options of people to get into business with or choosing yes. not to. Yeah. And then same in, the, in being as a realtor, right? 15 years in now, it's pretty darn awesome to recognize that, you know, an opportunity has come across your desk and it's not a client that the timing is right or the fit is right or that, you know, that you think you're the best realtor for it. And that doesn't mean you're not going to make sure they get great service. But by having a team that is, you know, well-trained and, and is motivated, we're now able to connect potential clients to someone else on our team versus us doing it at a time where we're not the right fit or yes. not wanting to do it. Mm-hmm. And um, again, you know, it, it brings forward the, the concept that 
you're your best self when you have options, you know, and that goes in everything that goes in your college days when you were dating, right? If there's only one person on the island and you were by yourself, you might end up with that person. <laughs> but if there's a dozen who, who, you know, you never know who you connect with. And that same philosophy goes in every aspect of our business. And seeing the results of that now is, um, is part of working smarter than harder. Okay. And, and that's really, I think, where we've grown in the last year. We are on your team. Whether your team is you and your dog or a team of 10 real estate professionals, the Home Happy Team is here to enhance your client's experience. We take care of the financing side of the real estate equation, reducing their stress through a team approach of experience, technology, and communication. Your client experiences a lot when buying a home. Make sure it's a great one they will remember by introducing them to Michael Lloyd and the Home Happy Team for their mortgage needs. Can you share with me a little bit more around like your your habit or practice of writing down and sharing your goals? Like, you know, we've we've talked in previous conversations about the power of a business plan. We've talked in previous conversations about the power of reflecting on the business plan, but what are other methods that you are using to write down, reflect and share your goals? So, I certainly have like my business plan is is a folder so it's a mm-hmm. business plan that's kind of written out and then I'm constantly um, adding to it or reviewing with it. And there's naturally areas where I'm succeeding without a lot of attention on path of my targets. And then there's mm-hmm. areas where I'm, I'm struggling and I'm not, I'm not making the progress that I thought I wanted. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I find when that's the case, I have a few different tools to almost uh, reboot the system. Mm-hmm. And so one tool is kind of a 30-day reset challenge. So yes. it's knowing, you know, an area where months have passed and you're not, you're not seeing, well, you're not doing the activities, let alone see results. You can't see results if you're not doing the activities. And so it forces you to revisit that, that goal that you had and really figure out, is it still important to you? And if it is, kind of create a 30-day action plan. So what are you going to do today, this week, and for the remainder of the next 30 days that if done, will you know put you back into activity towards achieving that goal? Yes. And then beyond that as well, there's a, there's a model, a tool that it's called uh, like 135. And so it's, again, what's the one goal? What's you know three strategies that'll get you there? And then five activities to each one of those strategies that will, um, when accomplished, put me on the path. So goal setting, I think the biggest fallacy out there is one, most people don't do it. It's like you're saying the success of the goal being accomplished when it's when it's written down, let alone shared, is an actual 40% higher than by just making a goal. Yes. And that's the same reason why, you know, the average person's New Year's resolution doesn't go anywhere because everyone forgets about it yes. 11 days in. Yes. And then I've seen uh, certainly in folks around us put a lot of a lot of energy come you know mid November or December and draw out their goals perhaps draw out a vision board which in itself is such a step forward from what most people do mm-hmm. but then they don't they don't measure it they don't refer back to it it's not a working tool and so you know I think the biggest opportunity of making goals attainable is uh, referencing back to it and having an accountability partner so we're very fortunate that you know, our lives cross over in so many areas. And so we're constantly having accountability. And even us, we get busy and we, you know, weeks can go by before we have a real business check-in beyond, you know, talking about critical actions that are happening. So I'd say the accountability, which ties in with, 
you know, telling someone what your goals are mm-hmm. is the is that magical mix mm-hmm. of really seeing success. Okay. And and in terms of, you know, I think sometimes folks can struggle with with the reflection piece. So here we are, we're in the second quarter of the year. We're we're now almost at the end of the month and we're short on our targets. Like we're we're not meeting our goals. Do you revise? Do you revise and edit your business plan? Is is that a thing? I don't revise it down. I add to like I haven't set a target of of a certain number of units and then not continue to come up with ways of reaching it as the year progresses. That's not to say that if something more important came up where, you know, hitting that target was not no longer that important of a goal that I wouldn't be open to it. Mm -hmm. I think more of the opportunity instead of, you know, revising a goal down is adding more fuel to the fire. So really feeling, you know, seeing how committed you are and are the things that you can do beyond what you're already successfully doing. And one of that is you probably had, you know, a framework drawn up where had those strategies been completed, you would be on task or on par with your with your goals. And so you may already have, you know, the framework, you're just not fulfilling it. Okay. And if you are, you know, fulfilling the the steps that you had outlined to reach your goal, but you're not reaching your goal, that's an opportunity to add more strategies. You're missing something. Mm-hmm. What, what about yourself? Do you change your goals throughout the year? Sometimes. I don't, I don't think it's a failure to change your goals. I actually think that sometimes we set our goals at the beginning of a year and we haven't given it a ton of thought. And I know that, for example, myself, that has happened to me many times in business planning where I just arbitrarily set a goal. Arbitrarily set a goal, for example, last year that I exceeded by more than double. So there's an example mm-hmm. of an opportunity to change your goals. It's up or down. And I actually, I don't think it is a failure. I think that goals are not static. Okay. And I think that there is power in being, you know, challenging yourself, mm-hmm. that, that having those goals written down allow you to work and focus. And, and as you break it down, certainly in terms of the primary goal, the the three strategies, and then the the actions that you take to help you achieve the the goal. If you're start, if you're actually, if you're actually following those strategies, and you know for one reason or another, the trend is not pointing in the direction that it looks as though you're going to achieve the goal. I think, I think there is an opportunity to revisit, mm-hmm. to reevaluate, and I think that that will will dovetail very nicely in the the concept of a of a reset. And the idea of allowing yourself time to reflect. One of the bigger things I've taken away from my coach is I have historically been somebody that is challenged to take a break. I'm not great at taking a break. I often go on holiday and stay, you know, moderately engaged in Mm -hmm. my business. And, you know, the critique from my coach has been if you never turn things off, you're never allowing your body and your mind the rest it needs to keep fighting, keep working, keep pushing, keep moving forward. And there's a real reflection in that, I think, as we think about a reset challenge, you know, even just taking, you know, an opportunity like a conference or a weekend getaway to be technology free and allow yourself space and time to reflect on on your goals. You might come out of that weekend with some improved ideas mm-hmm. and improved reflections on how to achieve your desired outcomes. I feel like we skipped past the 30-day reset. So I'd love to talk more about it. Can you share more about, you know, what that 30-day reset challenge means to you? Yeah, I mean, you know, um 
to me, it's breaking down where you are now to where you want to be. Mm-hmm. And over the next 30 days, what are the things that you're willing to do that you can hold yourself accountable to? Yes. That uh, is enough time and enough activities that you can then you know, do an action to it, which is something we're going to talk about being um, inspecting what you expect. Yes. And so it's enough time with new habits or reapplied habits to hopefully see yourself on the right path and yes. the results you want. Yeah. And so everything that we've kind of been talking about right now is, um, you know, the, the underlying foundation to that is inspecting what you expect. And I think that probably is another reason a lot of people don't, um, they don't even know that their goals are off track, right? Mm-hmm. Because you can be six months into something and, and um, I guess a lot of people wishfully think, well, I still have six months left in the year. It could happen. Yep. Versus like, no, you're a quarter way into your targets, but you're halfway through your timeline. Mm-hmm. And if you actually inspect that and measure it, unless you get really, really lucky, like what's going to change in the latter half of that year to catch up three quarters of your results? Mm. And so that is um, that is truly something that is lacking for folks, which is, again, inspecting what you expect. You're kind of forced to do that if you've written your goals down. And if you've shared them with someone and you have an accountability partner. Yeah. The idea of committing also to, you know, the idea of a 30 day reset challenge to say, for example, for the next 30 days, I'm going to habit track. Mm-hmm. I'm going to actually document what my, my day looks like so that I can really start to hold my calendar and my time accountable. That is, you know, a huge component of inspect what you expect you know, reflecting, for example, on how much time I have a a thing happening with my iPhone where it tells me my weekly screen time. Mm-hmm. Like that's a shocker, mm-hmm. right? Where you're like, oh, okay. I spent four hours a day on my device this past week. Like that's, that's unreal. Like what if I committed to taking one hour back and how can I how can I do that? How can I track that? How can I, how can I create a system that allows me to do that? And what kind of impact could that have? And if you do that over the course of a 30-day cycle, you may start to see some of the ways in which that shows up. Capturing an hour more a day might be an opportunity for you to, you know, do some, uh, some, some commitment to your personal wellness, meditation, fitness, making a nice lunch as Mm -hmm. opposed to eating on the fly. You know, all of these things, we don't operate in in silos as human beings. Like what you eat for breakfast in the morning fuels your day. Like it really does matter. Mm -hmm. And if, you know, you know, if you're someone like, like myself, we get up, mornings are chaotic. We feed the kids, we're out the door. It's, you know, I turn around and all of a sudden it's 1130 and I've had like three cups of coffee and nothing to eat. And I'm hangry. (laughs) And if I had taken a little bit of extra time instead of drinking my coffee and, you know, playing on Facebook for for 20 minutes, I could have been intentional about making myself like a nice healthy breakfast and packing some snacks for the road. And instead, what happens is by default, you're, you know, you're driving around at 1130, you're starving. And the only thing you see is the golden arches, you know, and like you start making a, you know, a cascade of bad decisions. (laughs) (laughs) But the idea of inspecting what 
you expect is so powerful. It can't be overstated because we can say a lot of things about, you know, I want to be healthy. I want to lose 20 pounds. I want to have a thriving business. I want to make $200,000 this year. Awesome. Like, show me your calendar. Mm -hmm. And like, how are you honestly, like, how are you feeling, right? Like working on yourself is the, you know, yourself is the biggest influencer Mm. in the world around you. Yeah. And so I think a lot of people, um, you know, avoid the truth about how they're feeling, how they're doing, mm-hmm. and are trying to get the results they want by influencing others. Yes. Versus, um, you know, taking, and, and that's been a big takeaway over the years that I've noticed, like the most successful people that, you know, that I'm inspired by where they really, I feel driven the success forward. It's, um, they're constantly working on themselves. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so the people that they associate themselves with, and we all know the mindset that you are the sum of, let's say, the five people you spend the most time with, you know, those five people continue to improve and level up when you're yourself improving, mm. you know, but like if you're the worst version of yourself, you know, bad with food, bad with, uh, you know, any number of, of stimulants and, and, and sleep or whatever, you're going to deteriorate. And you're going to associate with other people that are deteriorating mm. versus, um, you know, improving. Okay. And so, you know, I really think that is an under-recognized way of reaching your goals, mm-hmm. which is, and it goes back to kind of like, you know, a, a work-life balance is harder to achieve if not, you know, impossible versus constantly recalibrating yourself, knowing that every day you want to, you know, learn something, you want to, you know, you want to grow and you're going to work and you want to get some happiness. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I'm bouncing a bit over here, but one of the things that in the last conference we were at, it was interesting learning about, you know, like what's your number and, or what's Uh, your goal? Yes. And I always used to think of like, it's kind of like, I don't need to know what my financial number is. It's not relevant yet. And it kind of felt like, you know, like, you, you come up with a number, I need this much money in order, you know, in order to live the life I want. It felt probably a little bit uh, greedy because it felt like a big number. Mm-hmm. But also interesting at this stage of our life, what I'm starting to know, notice our folks that are maybe a decade older than us and then folks that are two decades older than us. And I can certainly, I, you know, in my mind, I look at the folks that are in their um, 60s and if they're still working hard, and they've been successful for the last 10, 15 years. I'm honest, honestly where I am right now. I'm, I'm like asking myself, man, if I like, if I was in your shoes, I would have slowed down, you know, a decade ago and enjoyed the, the luxuries of life that you're designing. Mm-hmm. And certainly some people are motivated by growth and it fills their bucket. And that's, you know, they'd rather be building another business than, than traveling and enjoying time. But I do believe that there's way more people out there than we know that are successful and they have not realized that they don't know why they're working anymore Mm -hmm. or they don't know why they're pushing that hard. It's so powerful. Well, the idea of, again, I think that that's all part of writing down and sharing your goals, but, but, you know, really having a conversation and reflecting with the most important people in your life about like, what are we doing it for? Mm -hmm. You know, I I had a a really powerful experience uh, having that check in with my wife and analyzing whether or not, you know, we wanted to continue to be a two working professional family and what that looked like and what that felt like and how that was impacting our lives as parents and and as as a couple. 
And the idea of just continuing to work for the sake of working, I know that there's, you know, for many of us, work is a huge part of our identity, right? Mm -hmm. It's it's who we are. It's what we've devoted most of our time to in a lot of circumstances. And so the idea that um, you don't have it anymore, I think is an identity crisis, I think, for a lot of people. And I think the opportunity with clarity and focus around the why, your big why of what drives you in your life is thinking about, you know, for example, think about my own personal example of, of you know, my my trajectory in real estate. Like I, I absolutely love, I love connecting with my community. Like I, it fills my cup. I love it so very much. And also what I'm learning is that I, I'm incredibly grateful for the for the business I'm building. And in fact, there's an abundance of business such that if I would like to have a little bit of my own time back, I actually need to share this business with other partners who operate their business like I operate my business. So my clients are receiving an amazing level of service. They're receiving my standard of service, but I don't need to be involved in every single step of the interaction and the the motivation, the reason behind that is because what I was finding is that I was approaching a degree of burnout that I had never felt before, where I was literally working from six o'clock in the morning to nine o'clock, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock at night, every day, seven days a week. And that was, you know, particularly prevalent through the pandemic where there was like literally nothing else to do. Mm-hmm. And I began to, you know, again, inspect what you expect. I thought, geez, what do I expect if this is all I'm doing day in and day out? I'm not creating any space or time for anything else in my life. And as a result, I feel depleted. And am I bringing my best self to my my profession, to my clients, in my service to people? And so that's been a, a really, really powerful experience of, you know, reflection of understanding. Also now having conversations with my partner about bigger ways that we can impact our local community. Thinking about, you know, the concept that your money is only as good as the good you use your money for. Mm -hmm. And, you know, are you doing it simply to stockpile so that you win at capitalism at the end of the day? Like, what's the game plan here? Like, does that, is that the play? You know, I know for me, that doesn't, that's not a driver for me. For some people, that's the driver. Great. High fives. (laughs) fill your bucket and go forth. And for a lot of us, I don't think that that's the driving force. And so what are we doing it for? You know, what is the bigger goal? Yeah. I mean, one of the things I feel you've been doing really well in, in kind of recovering and rebuilding your, your perhaps workaholic lifestyle to a more, you know, structured lifestyle is learning the, the secrets that I've been kind of, um, talking about for a while, which is just three simple little words and it's a delay, deflect, or do. Mm-hmm. And so, so much comes across our radar that we're trained to instantly think we got to solve it. We got to do yes. it. We got to do it. Especially when it's your default. Like I know that for both of us, and I think that that's, again, that's another reason, you know, it is one of the components that make us really successful and mm-hmm. and top of our profession is our response time. Like we take ownership over issues. And I, I've learned so much from you on this concept of delay deflect or do. Yeah. And I mean, now this, um, as we're talking on this podcast is the third one we've recorded in a row. We've probably been sitting now for about 
two and a half hours. So I'm sure there's phone calls on our phone mm-hmm. where someone's brought a, wanted our opinion or brought a challenge forward in one of our businesses. Mm-hmm. And yet uh, when we reach out to them three hours later, several of them will be solved. And I'm sure there's one big problem on there that we're going to have to jump on and solve ourselves. Yes. But had we been answering every one of those phone calls and not have the mindset of teaching people how to problem solve, where we kind of tell them, well, how would you go about it? And where would you go on on finding the answer? We'd be doing every one of the tasks ourselves. Yes, exactly. And so, um, yeah, I think that's... And a lot of people feel like, you know, delaying or deflecting is ignoring or being rude. You're not ignoring it. You're going to get to it if it's still there. There's just often other people that are better suited for it or already working on it as well. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's kind of like often I find in many businesses, several people are doing the same job. No one's really communicated who's got the lead on it. It reminds me of um, and it makes me think about the last topic of our conversation today, which is learning is layers. So the idea of, of and, and really embracing the, the concept of delay, do, defect, um, deflect, excuse me. <laughs> Go away. Get out of here. <laughs> Defecting is a learning and it takes time, you yeah. know, for, for those of us that are running our own businesses or you're new to the business, it's hard to imagine letting go of control. Mm-hmm. So I would love for you to elaborate a little bit more on the concept of, of learning as layers. Yeah, I mean, uh, my way of looking at that is um, for the, you know, I'd say certainly the majority of Canadians, you know, they're learning in elementary school and and high school. Mm -hmm. And then many of um, the Canadians will go to college and university or trade school, learn a trade. And then that's where it gets interesting. So the average Canadian might be at their educational high point by the time they're 25. Mm -hmm. And how many of those now from the plethora of, of you know, junk food version of, of, you know, my version of junk food in, in TV being Netflix and all these things are, are spending all their time on the screen without really, it's not teaching them anything. And so I think, you know, that's quite scary when you think that the average Canadian's peak knowledge is when they're 25 and then after that, many don't do any more formal education, no f- like further reading of informational books or, or conferences or, or methods of educating themselves. And so what are you missing, right? And so that layered learning is the concept that it's not, you know, the, the people that I feel are continuously moving forward and, and reaching, you know, amazing new accomplishments are the ones that are adding another level of knowledge to their um, experience. And, you know, that knowledge often is not seen as um, as formal as when you're going through a school or going through the the mechanisms of, of the different levels of education. Mm-hmm. But that to me is a differentiating feature between, totally. you know, people that we hire that you can tell they're lifelong learners. Yes. You know, we have, you know, even the simple way of you have an operating manual for a certain position and the yes. lifelong learner will ask about that manual before you ever talk about it because they assume that there's people who've gone before them, that there's a, a way of doing everything that they're going to need to be doing. Yes. And so they want to see that before they make a decision about whether they want to get into business with you. Yeah. And then, you know, sometimes when we've made the wrong hire in the past, um, there's folks that literally let the cobwebs grow on the on the operating manual mm-hmm. and try and reinvent the wheel or don't even drive. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Friends, thank you so much for sitting with us and for listening today. If you ever want to reach out to Roland or I, you can find us at kimbuna.com. Come by our office at Fraser and 24th. 
Keller Williams Realty Van Central. We are always excited to talk and to connect with you. So thank you so much for listening. Bye, guys.